Well, hey there, and welcome to the Frogs War podcast. It is your weekly edition, recorded via the miracle of Ringer. Uh, and I am Jamie Plunkett. I'm Melissa Trebowasser. We're here to talk a little TCU football. They got a game, a Thursday night game. So if you're listening to this uh, on iTunes or Podbean or wherever where podcasts come from, uh, TCU plays today. So get your game day gear on, maybe skip out of work a little bit early, and head on over to Amon G. Carter for uh, a blackout against Texas Tech. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge game. You know, everybody, I, I know Thursday games are hard for people, but uh, it's a good opportunity on ESPN to have the national audience to be the college football game going on on a Thursday night. And, and for TCU, hopefully to kind of get themselves back in the mix in the Big 12 and, and create a little separation from the middle of the pack. It is definitely one. It, it is. It doesn't feel maybe quite like this yet, but it, it's on the verge of being one of those season-defining games. I think for TCU, for sure. where they have those two losses against what are now top ten teams in Ohio State and Texas, uh, and their wins are over Southern and SMU and Iowa State. So this is this is one of those games where it's like, okay, well, how good is TCU really? Are they going to be able to beat a three and two team in Texas Tech that's shown? Uh, they've got a little moxie on both sides of the ball this year. So uh, it is a big game for the Frogs. It's also a big game for Texas Tech, which means that it should be an incredible atmosphere, even though it's on a Thursday night. Um, and so hopefully Frog fans show up wearing black. It is a blackout and uh, are loud for the home team uh, uh, tonight. Uh, we have an interview uh, coming up and later in the show with Hunter Cook. He's the former managing editor for Viva the Matadors. Uh, and he was kind enough to hop on with us, uh, Melissa and I, about for about 30 minutes just before we recorded this. So uh, we've already been kind of working on a podcast for a little more than half an hour now. So if we get a little sloppy near the end, you know why, dear listener. Okay, you you say that, but once you hear the interview we recorded with Hunter and how we started and what a disaster I was, it, I really can't use that as an excuse other than it's been a week, folks. It has been three it days, and each week. one of them has been a week. Um, but, yeah, it's, so but we're going to – you know what? We're going to have a good football game. We're going to get to hopefully see TCU uh, figured out a little bit on both sides of the ball tomorrow night. Um, it's it's a real test for the Frogs. You know, you, you've got a, a great offense and Texas Tech and some really talented wide receivers. Uh, and then you've got a, a TCU offense on the other side that, that kind of needs to get into a rhythm. And, look, we all know there's one thing that can cure a really dysfunctional offense, and that's playing a Texas Tech defense. So hopefully that's the answer to some prayers for TCU fans and Sean Robinson. Yeah, well, I mean, we've got to see exactly how much Sean Robinson plays, though, too. Yes. You know, uh, Patterson is mum on whether or not Robinson starts in this game. It, we might see a lot of Michael Collins, depending on how healthy Robinson really is. Uh, this is one of those Gary Patterson kind of tactical moves, and he admitted as much in, in the Big 12 uh, conference call on Monday that he wasn't going to name a starter as long as Cliff wasn't going to name a starter. Um I, I, I'm not sure really what to expect from the quarterback position for either team heading into this game, Melissa, but I, I do think that my, if I had to guess, we're going to see a significant amount of Sean Robinson and maybe not as much Michael Collins as folks hope for. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I know Gary is, is giving us a little gamesmanship here, and I think that's really what this is. Um, if this is a close game, we're not going to see Michael Collins. We may see him for a series or two, but – this isn't going to be the Michael Collins breakout game by any stretch of the imagination. My thing is, is it's football and it's not one of those things like baseball where maybe there's an overuse. Every single snap 
can lead to the re-aggravation of an injury. And if Sean can play, if he's cleared to play, if he's not going to do any further damage, then I don't see any reason why he would play less snaps. You know, this isn't a running back that needs to keep his legs fresh or, you know, a wide receiver that, that needs to take a couple of plays off. Like, you're a quarterback. You're playing or you're not. Um, and, and I don't think that there's any if – if he's going to be the guy, I don't see any reason why he doesn't start. And I fully ex- expect him to not only start but to play the vast majority of the snaps and for Michael Collins to get maybe a series here or there just because now we have seen Sean dinged up in back-to-back games and so we just need to know that he's ready to play. But this is, like you said, I mean, can you call it a must-win game at game six? I think you can because when you still have Oklahoma coming in the next week, you've got at West Virginia on the slate, you know, you've got another tricky game in Oklahoma State to end the year. If you want TCU to be a bowl-eligible team or, or, you know, maybe to still be competitive in in the top of the Big 12, you have to win this football game. And I think the Frogs will pull out all the stops to do just that. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. This is, you know, this is not an opportunity for TCU to be conservative, especially on the offensive side of the ball, regardless of who's playing quarterback. But it is also an opportunity maybe to lean on Darius Anderson and Shaywell a little bit more than we've seen them leaned on to this point. You know, mm-hmm. regardless of the, the state of the offensive line, uh, you know, we, we'll see if, if Iwagu plays on Thursday. That'll be a big, uh, you know, th- that'll really help the offensive line out if, if Cordell is able to go. Um, but, you know, this might be an opportunity to really lean on your running backs and show, you know, show everybody what those guys have because they're, it's an incredibly talented duo. And if they get the ball, you know, 15 times each, 20 times each in this game, uh, it, it might help TCU control the pace of the game against a tech offense that's really dynamic and good uh, and allow that defense to get rest in between series that keeps them fresh enough to compete for, for four quarters. Um, we've seen TCU's defense a couple of times this year get a little bit worn down in the third and fourth quarters of games simply because the offense has become stagnant at points. Uh, and so maybe controlling the tempo a little bit, running the ball a little bit more, um, and, you know, adding a few wrinkles here and there might be the way to go. Well, you know, there was a story earlier. Patterson talked about how they've been watching some of the Chiefs' offense um, mm-hmm. in order to prepare for Texas Tech because some of the same play calls. But I also hope that they spent some time watching the Army offense against Oklahoma because if TC is going to win against Tech tonight, I guess it'll be tonight, um, and they're going to have a shot against Oklahoma, they're going to have to do it that way. Exactly like you said, lean on your running back. Even if the offensive line isn't great, and, and you know, I think at this point we can say that they're still trying to figure things out, Darius Anderson is the kind of player that can, that can work despite what he's working with. Um, he's a special talent. Shewu has been really, really good this season. And you saw Amari DeMarcado, who's a guy that they spoke so highly of in fall camp and that they, we thought was going to be a little bit more involved in the offense. So you got to go to the short passing game. You got to go to this, you got to get away from some of these bubble screens, but you've got to find a way to get guys in space and complete short passes and give them room to move. And, and you have to keep the ball out of the Texas Tech offense's hands. Like that's really the key to, to winning this week. And of course, to, to having a shot against Oklahoma the week after as well. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Uh, you know, it is interesting uh, going into this game, just not, you know, we have obviously questions for TCU at quarterback, but Texas Tech does too with Alan Bowman suffering the punctured lung and broken rib against West Virginia. You've got Jet Duffy behind him on the depth chart, and he is an incredible runner. He flashed a lot of that skill against West Virginia as he almost led Tech to a comeback victory. Um, but he, you lose a lot in the passing game with Duffy as your quarterback if you're Texas Tech. So Melissa 
uh, we ask, you know, Hunter obviously will answer this question in, in a minute, but um, who would you rather see at quarterback for Texas Tech if you're a TCU fan? An injured Alan Bowman or a healthy Jet Duffy? Uh, McLean Carter for <laughs> that's, that's who I'd like to see dialed up. Um, you know, it's it's interesting because when you look historically at, at things that, that the TCU defense has struggled against, they struggled against a guy who can throw a pretty deep ball and they struggled against a mobile quarterback. And so you're really picking your poison at this point. Um, ultimately though, I'd, I'd much rather see Duffy while he's such a dynamic athlete in the backfield. Uh, he has shown a propensity to turn the ball over. I think one of the, the Texas tech fans that came over to frogs award comments and something like, He's averaging an interception every 12 pass attempts. So give me that guy all day long. Alan Bowman is going to be a problem for three more years. And so if TCU can avoid seeing him once, then I am a okay with that. He is a really good football player. And, you know, there's also the part of me that's going, man, if that kid takes those snaps with a partially collapsed lung and maybe a broken rib and whatever else, if every single time he gets hit, the the person who who just cares about people is going to like collapse on the sidelines and pass out in fear every time he takes a shot to the ribs. Mm-hmm. So um, I, you know, and I, I think that that Texas Tech and Kingsbury is smart enough to realize that that they have the their their, their quarterback of the future for the next three years and to be careful with him, um, especially against a defensive front like TCU's. But then, you know, also the selfish part of me would just much rather not see the guy who's capable of throwing for 500 yards and seven touchdowns against even this really good TCU defense. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And, you know, you've got to protect the future of your team, especially if you're Cliff Kingsbury, who, you know, you're, you're the, the beloved son out in Lubbock, but a ba- another, mm-hmm. another bad season, two bad seasons, and things might be done for you there. Uh, you know, it's, it's definitely something to consider. Something else to consider is Texas defense. I can't get a read on it this year, Melissa. Like, I think they're getting better still because they held Oklahoma State to 17 points, but they also gave up 49 to Houston and 42 to both West Virginia and Mississippi. So I don't really know what to think about Texas defense at this point. And with an offense like TCU's that has been really stagnant the last couple of weeks, what can we, you know, I mean, my expectation is that this is an opportunity for TCU's offense to get back on track, but the health of your quarterback is in question. And so I don't really know what to think about that whole situation. Yeah, it's, you know, I think the, the, the old meme of the Texas Tech defense is maybe not quite as, as much of a sieve as it's been, but by the same token, it's still not very good. Um, they have some special talent in the linebacker position that, that Hunter talks about. But outside of that, there's not a lot of guys that you look over on the other side and say, oh, yeah, yeah, this is an all Big 12 caliber player. This is a guy that we really have to game plan around, you know, as, as an offensive team. Uh, my expectation would be that, that this is an opportunity for the run game to get going, you know, like we just talked about. They give up a ton of yards. They're allowing, I think, 4.4, 4.5 yards per carry, well over 100 yards on the ground per game. They're allowing, you know, almost 300 yards to the air passing. Uh, this is kind of one of those things where you have to look at Sean Robinson at home and what's supposed to be a perfectly fine weather night and say, like, assuming that he's healthy enough to go, that this is one of those games where he's got to go and, and prove that he's a star um, and that he has star potential and he can do it. You know, I don't expect to see him running quite as much. He'll probably be more conservative in that regard, but he's going to have to make plays with his feet. He's going to have to protect the football and, he can't afford to, you know, to make any of those kind of fixable mistakes that, that he's made every game so far this season. So, uh, 
hopefully, um, you know, the Frogs had a little bit extra time here to prepare. And so the game plan will be a solid one. You know, I, I trust Sonny Cumbie and Curtis Looper to have that dialed up. I, I trust Gary Patterson to have he's, – he's, he's seemed for the most part to kind of have Texas Tech's number uh, defensively. And so it'll be interesting to see how, how he matches up with what Cliff's trying to do and some of the new wrinkles that Tech has put in this year. But, but yeah, at the end of the day, you know, this – Oklahoma State's probably a more confusing team than TCU. Mm-hmm. So I think you kind of have to throw out that, that 17 points right now. Um, but you have to go out if you're TCU and expect to score and to expect to put up 30-plus on this Texas Tech team at home. And if you can't do that, it's going to be a long season, folks. Yeah, that, that is very true. It's going to be a long season if TCU doesn't put up points on on, uh, on Tech's defense. But we've mentioned him a couple times already. Melissa, let's just go ahead and, and jump into this interview that we recorded earlier with Hunter Cook, former managing editor of Viva the Matadors. All right, we are here. Melissa and I are here with Hunter Cook, uh, who asked to be introduced as just a random citizen. He is a, a Texas Tech Patriot and the former managing editor of Viva the Matadors. Uh, so he's an SB Nation uh, brother of ours. And so, Hunter, it's really good to have you on with us. Oh, it's great to be here. Uh, so to get us started, crap. So I'm not going to say anything on the, that intro. I'm just going to leave that one hang. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, <laughs> Melissa in a rare form right now. So we'll see yeah, how this goes. Day, yeah. It's fine. And Hunter Everything and I haven't fine. done radio together in a while, but man, we used to hit up those weekly Mark Rogers hits like it was nobody's job. So it's, it's been a long time. It's been a long oh, time since we've Rogers. done this. Shout out oh, to Mark man. Rogers TV. Yeah. Mark yeah. Rogers TV. It brings me back to like 2015. Yeah, those were some good days. That was a really good yeah. season. No, they weren't. They're marginally better now, but it doesn't mean they were good back then. Or not even marginally better. Probably marginally worse, like holistically, worldwide considered. Yeah, this is, this stuff, is a fair stuff assessment. Stuff is getting bad. This is a fair assessment. Sure. You know, it's kind of like something else that's marginally worse since 2015. But, um, but I, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm no trying. comment. <laughs> No comment. No comment. You made it a whole minute and a half, <laughs> Melissa. You know what? So I'm congratulations. better than I expected. Uh, you know, that's uh, – anyways, there's a football game. Uh, I guess it will be today yes. by the time that this plays. So, yeah, more there's and more people game. are saying it, and it's true. There is a football game <laughs> happening on Thursday. I, I don't it's know what kind of a game it's going to be. Um weird, crazy crap happens in this rivalry. We have seen some of the oddest things in college football happen annually, and now we have to do it all over again on a Thursday night. It just it seems unfair. It's like the college football karma gods are frowning upon both of our teams. Well, they're more frowning on y'all because the last time this was on a Thursday, there was just some very, very strange officiating all the way around and just a baffling night game in Lubbock. That, that was 2013, last time. This was on a Thursday, right? That, that was the Fox game, right? Yeah, that was the Fox game. Yeah, and and just, the one with the double number. Really, yeah, where the Red Raiders wore jerseys that looked exactly like Dr. Pepper tin cans. Yep. And just all the sweat just bleeding through in awkward places. The gray jerseys are terrible. All gray jerseys are bad. Amen. Agreed. I don't know. I kind of like the TCU camo grace. They're growing oh, on me. Go. Here we go, man. I'm just saying. 
you know, I'm if just, we if we keep winning in them, I will love them forever. Uh, well, there, there you go. Are you wearing, are we wearing them against Tech this year? Or are we going all uh, black? We're, we're all black. Yeah, we haven't I mean, officially announced that. So hopefully, we figured you know out that when the fans are wearing black, the team should be wearing black. Also, like that's been uh, that's been a disconnect for TCU for a couple of seasons now. So hopefully, they figure that out. Additionally, uh, good job, TCU, having a blackout game that wasn't at 11 a.m. And I know that wasn't TCU's fault, but, man, here we go. That's all good. But like you've already mentioned, Melissa and Hunter, there is a football game happening on Thursday night in Fort Worth. And there are big question marks, Hunter, around who's going to be playing quarterback for Texas Tech. Alan Bowman obviously had the collapsed lung against West Virginia. He was in the hospital for almost a week, I think. Um, trying to recover from that. There's been reports that he can't even fly with the team. Um, Jet Duffy looked pretty good in the second half against West Virginia, coming in and almost bringing them all the way back uh, from a pretty significant deficit uh, at halftime. Uh, so, Hunter, who do you think is going to be playing quarterback for Texas Tech on Thursday night? And do we see maybe a combination of Bowman, Duffy? Uh, how does that look? Oh. I I wish I had like a concrete answer, but I mean, dude, that hit on Bowman looked bad. And I think the early prognosis or what I heard uh, was that he had a broken rib with a collapsed lung. And if that had happened, I mean, I'm no doctor, but that sounds like a season ending injury. Like I don't, I don't think you should play football with a broken rib and a punctured lung. seems like that'd be bad. If he can go, I think there's a chance of him playing, but I think it's more likely that Duffy will be playing. Uh, but honestly, it's it's a toss-up. I mean, punctured lungs, especially like the partially collapsed lung that he has, it's a kind of a weird injury. You don't know if someone's going to take like a week to heal or a month. It's it's just strange. I'm honestly surprised that he is even like, he's even listed as like questionable or that he could play. I thought he was going to be out for at least a month. Yeah, I thought that too. Honestly, I you know, like you said, broken ribbon collapsed lung isn't exactly something that you want to mess with. Uh, we see one example of this in, in the NFL uh, relatively recently when Romo played, uh, finished a game with a punctured lung um, against the Chiefs, I think, mm-hmm. uh, five or six years ago at this point. But you know, especially with TCU's defensive line, I think like that's that's a pretty significant risk to put a guy out there who's who's banged up as badly as Bowman is. Um, But with Duffy, you know, this offense seems to have an added dimension just because of his mobility. Do you think that Duffy actually gives Tech um, another pretty significant weapon on the ground with Jet Duffy? Uh, He does, but then you take away from what Bowman does in the air. Like, he's uh, Duffy is just not the passer that Bowman is. I don't know why that is. He's been in the program for a while, had – some very uh, serious troubles that he is apparently all past now, and he's on good enough standing with the school and the team uh, to play. But he, uh, for whatever reason, he just seems to make like three or four baffling decisions a game. I want to uh, kind of liken it to a Kenny Hill, where you're just like, "What are you doing? Like, did you not did you not see him there? I, I don't I don't understand." where you kind of, like, take the good with the bad. And, like, yeah, Duffy is a very explosive player, especially on the ground. And there will be an added dimension there because he's assuredly faster than Bowman. But I'm not sure if it entirely makes up for what you lose through the air. Because the difference between this Texas Tech team and past ones 
is height at the wide receiver positions. Um, you definitely have uh, Antoine, like Antoine Wesley and uh, Vasher, who are just tall dudes who can really go up and get the football. And that's something that's been missing. Tech normally kind of relies on the like speedy little slot guys, and they'll stick them out wide too. And they've never had that kind of actual like NFL number one wide receiver hype outside of like a couple of guys who didn't exactly pan out or weren't like great route runners and never really got the ball all too much. And with Bowman back there who can actually like, you know, sling the pill a little bit, that's 100%. I think the offense that you're going to take the entire, the entire time over uh, something like Duffy, which is, which does bring an added dimension, but sometimes you're just like, there's a safety there. How did, what? Like, did you, did you forget your colors, my friend? Like, what are you doing? Um, but maybe that all got, got ironed out. Maybe it didn't. Um, Cliff is notoriously cagey about who is starting, who's playing, um, who is injured, who will not be there. What's up? Sorry. Hit the wrong button. Oh, okay. Um, You're doing he, great. He's, he's notoriously kind of got cagey. <laughs> We're doing it's Everything's fine. It's all fine. Um, he, he's, he's, he's cagey about who... Um, is going to make trips and who's going to play and who isn't and about injuries in general um, and about who's on the team and who isn't. That's one of the things you kind of just have to like wait and see and find out. But um, who knows? <laughs> I, I have no, I have no idea. I wish I could tell you, I wish I knew It'd make my anxiety about it a little bit uh, easier. Well, and, and that kind of brings up an interesting point too. And in that, you know, a name we haven't heard since really week one of the season is McLean Carter. And if Alan Bowman can't yeah. go and Jet Duffy, you know, has a couple of those early INTs, is that it looks like Carter is, is back close to playing or could possibly be cleared to play tomorrow night. Do you expect Kingsbury to, to look towards the veteran if he, if Duffy's not getting it done? I think he, I think he could. I mean, he very famously pulled, um, Shimanek last year against Texas uh, in favor of McLean Carter and then inserted Shimanek back in in the latter half of that game. And um, he did, uh, man, McLean Carter did all right. He did he pretty good. Like, he's a solid quarterback. I don't think he's a world beater. I don't think he's the type of guy that can um, get out there and, like, win a championship because he's going to make some errors or he's going to be maybe a little bit slower on his reads than Bowman is. But I think he's still a good quarterback. And with the way these two teams are playing right now, honestly, anything can go. Well, that's definitely kind of it brings up another interesting point, too. And you talk about the way these teams are playing right now. Right now, it's, it's Texas Tech. Looks like kind of to be the Texas Tech that we've come to expect. And that they can light up the scoreboard, but defensively, it had been a bit of a sieve. Well, TCU, which has had such a potent offense at times over the last few years, is we'll say struggling um, on that side of the ball currently, but the defense looks really good. And, and we've certainly seen these two teams match up where, you know, Tech's strength is the offense and TC's strength is the defense. How do you kind of see those two elements clashing against each other tomorrow night? And which one do you think has the advantage? Oh man. Um, I have no, yeah. I want to say that Tech has a little bit of advantage because of the height. I think um, I think the height of the wide receivers is going to be big. I think the uh, kind of running back by committee that's going on right now is going to be huge. I mean, Texas Tech has five or so running backs that can play, which, I mean, obviously that's big because everyone's going to be fresh at all times in the game. Their offensive line is solid. But I really do, like, once again, like TCU's defensive line, I think they're one of the best defensive lines in the conference. Um, and they're that way year in and year out. That's not exactly, like, abnormal. 
Um, I think TCU is a little bit weaker at secondary than they have been in the past, and I do think that Tech can exploit that. Like, I, I'm expecting to see points in this game. Is what I'm. It, it, I, I'm kind. I'm trying to like dance around it a little bit, but I'll just, I, I'm expecting to see some points for both sides of the ball. I, I, Tech's defense it has improved uh, significantly, but when you improve significantly from dead last, um, there's still a lot of wiggle room there. You know, it's kind of like that old. Uh, Thumbs, de- thumbs up, thumbs down thing with like social media. Um, when you thumbs down something, there's a big wide gulf in between like what is said. So it could be something like, hey, like I don't like Pop-Tarts. No, thumbs down that. You suck. Pop-Tarts are good. Um, hey, I want to kill a person. Now thumbs down that. That's bad too. Well, that's the same thing. I don't know. There's a, there's a wide gulf between where you want to be and when we talk about a defense that is actually like great or in one of the top calibers and being better than you were, that's a, kind of a bad analogy, but I think it maybe hits a little bit. I don't know. No, I definitely see kind of what you're going with there. Um, that being said, you know, you talk about there being a lot of points. So what we can really expect is this to be like a 13 to seven game because God forbid a TCU tech game ever does what it's supposed to do. Cause we have yet to see exactly. it happen. Outside of 2013 or 2014, I mean, or no, 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 2015. I'm losing my brain. Um, yeah, outside of 2015, n- n- nothing ever happens how you expect it's going to happen in this game. I mean, I actually thought Tech would score a little bit last year. Nope. Yeah. Uh, three points. That, that was one of the weirdest football games I've ever seen, just for on so many levels. And, and it will be that one of the other kind of interesting factors in this is that it's the first time that Sean Robinson will be playing a team for the second time. Although it doesn't really feel like this Texas Tech team is anything like last year's rendition. No. And Sean Robinson won that game with like 36% passing. Like, mm-hmm. what? <laughs> what? How does that even happen? Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird game. This one's a really, really tough to predict. And I haven't watched as much TCU as I would have liked to. And by that, I mean I haven't watched every single game that they've played because I'm an obsessive and I watch everything. But I, I, I'm, I'm expecting some points. I'm expecting a couple points in this one. So TCU is a uh, relatively big favorite, unexpectedly. I think it's like seven and a half is the line right now. Maybe it's, maybe seven, it's come back yeah. down a little bit. Uh, but were you surprised to see that? I know that I'm on the same page as both of y'all. I think that there are going to be a lot of points in this game. Uh, the over-under is at 61. I would expect, I would expect the over there. But uh, did, were you surprised, Hunter, when you saw that TCU was favored by a full touchdown? A full touchdown, maybe, but I'm not surprised that TCU is favored. I think uh, they kind of waited to see with that line where Texas was going to be ranked. I mean, despite TCU struggling against Iowa State, like this is still a team that their only two losses are two top ten teams. That's pretty good, and that's kind of and they were in both of those games. That's indicative of at least like a solid team, and I don't think Tech is really like. Usually proven yet. I think their uh, beat down over Oklahoma State got a little bit uh, soured once Iowa State uh, kind of came in and took that same Oklahoma uh, State team behind the woodshed. Um, I, I, I was thinking it was going to be more like TCU favored by two or three. I, I definitely wasn't expecting seven, though. That is pretty big. Yeah, and it, it does feel, I mean, you know, to, to favor a team, and you make a great point about TCU having two losses to two top ten teams, but Seven does seem like a lot for a TCU team that hasn't been explosive on offense and hasn't really shown any consistency um, out of the quarterback position on that side of the ball. And so 
Um, you know, one thing that, that will be interesting is to say, you know, talk about the consistency of that turnover bower, uh, battle. And we've talked about, you know, Jet Duffy maybe having some issues, but Sean Robinson certainly has had his as well. Uh, what can you tell us about mm-hmm. the Texas Tech defense when it comes to takeaways? It seems like they've been at times pretty adept at, at forcing the ball out uh, against their opponents. Well, they're really, uh, Texas Tech is really strong at the linebacker position above all. Um, Dakota Allen, you know, we everyone split a lot of ink about, you know, coming back from last chance to you, and it was incredible as a freshman, and now he's back. He's incredible as a senior. And Jordan Brooks' tandem um, is very good as well, and they rotate a bunch of other uh, linebackers in at that third position. They're just a really, really solid group. They play well together. They're very fundamental. I think they're the definite strength of this team. I think the X factor for Tech on defense is Deshaun Johnson. Uh, Deshaun Johnson came back. Um, he was injured for the first three games of the year, came back from Oklahoma State, and famously uh, shut down the Cowboys at uh, home, which that is, I mean, for a Tech team to go on a road uh, on the road and win like they did, that is a bigger mm-hmm. indicator of, um, man, like th- this actually looks like it's being turned around. Like the, if, te- if it wasn't Texas being back, I feel like uh, one of those memes would be like, hey, Texas Tech's going to be good this year. Because they always like kind of show those flashes, but never really follow through. But I haven't seen them thoroughly beat a team like that in a long time. And then down like you know twenty-one to nothing against West Virginia, they actually fought back and made it a game in the second half. Down their starting quarterback, that actually shows like a little resolve and a little fire and uh, some really good second half play, which is something that historically during the Cliff Kingsbury era at Texas Tech has been non-existent. Uh, it's still rational to kind of like expect that okay this the, the tech has scored some points but they're going to slow down the second half because that's kind of what happens very consistently but this year is kind of everything's kind of turned on its head like it's not a texas tech team that's winning with defense they're still winning with offense sure it, it's explosive alan bowman is incredible if he if he plays jet duffy is obviously still explosive it's kind of what we've thought that cliff would do after the 2013 season when you win nine games and you win the holiday bowl and kind of feels like this should have come in 2014 but it didn't for a bunch of reasons some inside of his control some outside of it but it's tough to describe honestly i'm having i'm having real real trouble putting my finger on the pulse of either tcu or texas tech this season like I, I just don't know what's going to happen because there's so many X factors. Like, will the TCU defense rush the passer extremely well? Will their secondary, like, step up and uh, really, really play a good press coverage and cover the height? Will Sean Robinson uh, play excellently, or will he throw five picks? Who knows? I, 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 can't, I can't tell you. And the fact that it's on a Thursday night and it's a blackout game, it just makes it all the, like, weirder and tougher to, like, put a finger on exactly, especially with Bowman out. I think if uh, Alan Bowman, or questionable, I mean, I feel like if Alan Bowman was uh, locked in as the starter, if he wasn't injured, I'd have a lot more like definite things to say about Texas Tech right now. But as far as the season goes, he has kind of been like that identity for him, for uh, the Red Raiders. And him not being in there is not great, in my opinion. It's If he can't go, it's going to be a problem. So, yeah, I was going to kind of pile on that too. Is, is you talked about you know where Cliff should have been and and what where this Texas Tech team should be, and it seems every year around this time as people start talking about how hot is his seat, 
they've had a couple of nice wins. They went in, you know, you talked about how they how they beat Oklahoma State and held held them down defensively. How they had that great second half run against West Virginia. At this point, as we kind of enter the midpoint of October, how hot is Cliff Kingsbury's seat, and what does he have to do to keep his job? It's, it's cool. It's a very very cool seat. I. Uh, regardless of fan introspection, the reality of the program is if Cliff makes a bowl game and if he hits like seven wins, eight wins, nine wins every now and then, they're going to keep him. They really like him around Lubbock. He's a, he's a good person. Like I do, I'm normally kind of like skeptical about people in that position, but what I've seen from him in terms of like disciplinary issues and giving back to that community, I think that he is like at the very least a moral guy. And I think that's a guy that uh, tech, the, the administration at Texas Tech wants to keep around regardless of what the fans think of, Hey, you haven't won eight, like you haven't won eight games in the season since like 2013. Like, Hey man, like this isn't like great. This isn't going to way. Like everyone says it is like, Hey, the big 12 is in a down year. Like we're not striking like we should. His seat is very, very cool. Especially his beginning of the season, looking into the stretch that Texas tech is in right now, when you have Oklahoma state, West Virginia and TCU back to back to back, you're looking at that stretch from that perspective, and you're like, okay, if you could peel off one win, maybe two, you're riding pretty because the rest of the season looks pretty looks pretty winnable. Kansas State's not great. Baylor's not great. Iowa State's not great. Kansas isn't great. All four of those are very winnable games. So I think he's perfectly fine. I think even if he loses this game, there's a very distinct chance that he just kind of goes in and runs roughshod over the last half of that season. I mean – this might be the worst Kansas State team we've seen under Bill Snyder. Baylor still has not like been fully realized under Matt Rule. He's not really there. I, I think his seat is cool, regardless of how I or anyone else feel about things like his total win-loss record, his conference win record, his record in away games, his record at home, his record in uh, certain stadiums. Like, r- regardless of all of the stats, like he's going to be there. It's it's just kind of like it is it is now. It's not going to change. So the speculation about who might Tech get is kind of becoming this endless cycle of well, it doesn't matter because the people in charge of running it obviously really really like him a lot, and they're not going to let him go. That's an interesting point too, and it's really kind of a nice change of pace from what we see normally in college football today where it's like a coach maybe has two full seasons before they're out the door because they're not performing at the level that the administration wants them to. Um, it, it, you know, if you've got a good guy, like you mentioned, Cliff is, is doing a lot in the community disciplinary wise. Like you said, he, he looks like he's doing the right thing by guys. Um, you might as well hold on to him and just see if he can build a program. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's kind of the TCU model where you had a, a guy who was young at the time that Patterson was hired, uh, really unproven as a head coach, but had done some good things as a coordinator. Uh, and you gave, you know, TCU gave him time to really build a program and look where, look where TCU is now. They've, you know, they've come all the way up to a power five conference. They've won several New Year's six BCS bowls at this point. Uh, and, and, you know, Tech is at a little bit of a recruiting disadvantage simply because of location. Uh, but, you know, realistically, Cliff is probably the right long-term guy for that job. Mm-hmm. And my one fear with that would be that he doesn't get, like, Larry Cokerd, 
where he has one good season and that's what he's judged by and that's what he gets hired by for the rest of forever. It's kind of like like Jeff Fisher in the NFL. Jeff Fisher kept on getting hired yeah. for far longer than he should have because he had a couple of good years with teams that weren't supposed to be great in down years in their division. Now, I don't think you can really judge Cliff off of this year because I do think this is a very down year for the Big 12, and I think we all are kind of in agreement with, with that. When this Tom Herman team is doing as well as they have, I think we're in a down, a little bit of a down year. I'm not completely sold on Texas yet. Um, Iowa State was really good last year, not great. Baylor has been uh, great in recent years, not great. Kansas State, Bill, Bill Snyder may get fired after this year because his team is historically bad. Kansas is probably the worst team in the Power Five in the past decade. This is not, as, as far as like strength goes, this is not a strong conference right now. So if you can't strike while the iron's hot, then I don't know where you go from here. Because I, I, in my opinion, personally, if Texas Tech can't pull out like seven or eight, maybe even nine, maybe, maybe a bowl win, like if it's not in that range, then when are you going to get to that? Because this is a very, very weak conference right now, and you have everything that you needed. You had 10 starters coming back on defense. You had TJ Vasher coming back at wide receiver, a NFL caliber guy, at least from size and speed alone. And then the typical kind of Texas Tech recruiting uh, across the offensive line and wide receiver positions, which was solid. You had a quarterback coming back in McLean Carter. You had everything you need to make a dark horse run at like being a major mover in this conference, at least for one season. And if you can't do that, if you falter down the stretch, me personally, I really would struggle to say that's a success. So, I, mean, I, I, I mean, at, at this, at, yeah, but at this point too, you, you know, you, you thought you had a quarterback coming back, but it looks like he's not going to play the rest of, of this year that he's been kind of similarly, summer, summer, summarily. he's been beaten out. Thank you. God, I'm a teacher. Um, I'm an educator. Um, but, but it looks like there's a lot of hope for the future too. You know, if it's, if it's mm-hmm. not this year, like I, I do think that, that Texas is, is probably a pretty good team and it looks like Oklahoma, West Virginia are going to be right there at the top, but maybe the conference isn't as, as strong top to bottom it's been, but there should be some hope for the future too. Alan Bowman looks legit. Is he Pat Mahomes? Probably not, but can he be a really Who effective is? player? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But can he be a really effective player? And then, you put an improved defense around him and, and the continued kind of uh, recruiting that's been solid. Um, is, is there not reason to think that this team is trending upwards or do you think this is kind of their peak? I don't know if it's their peak. I, I, I would stress to say if it's their peak, but I would say like, man, if you can't peel off like seven or eight here, I would say it's getting pretty close to the peak. I mean, you had 10 starters returning on defense um, you lose all of your like senior captains. You'll lose Dakota Allen. You lose Deshaun Johnson after this year. And those are big, big time emotional players that have been around and started for like it, just about, just about since they stepped on campus. Those, those guys have been starting. So if not now, then when? But again, like it's kind of a moot point because he's not going to get fired unless he like completely tanks the season and doesn't win another game here on out. I, I just can't see it, especially with like how um, other seasons have ended up. When you miss a bowl game, um, when you don't win a bowl game with Pat Mahomes, just some really, really big struggles. 
So I, I'm with, with Cliff. It's kind of tough. He's kind of like where I feel like the team is at right now, where I can't like get a bead on it. I really can't get a bead on Cliff either because I know I know for sure he's not going to get fired, but I don't know for sure if it's trending up to the point of where we can say like, okay, they're a player in the conference where you would want to be. Cause that, that when we talk about TCU is the caveat is that Gary Patterson did eventually build them into being a nationally relevant program. I don't know if that's going to happen here. Yeah. I think that's, that's a fair point. And there's a lot of questions and I don't, I don't know how many of them are going to be answered tomorrow night in Fort Worth. But the one thing I do know is it's going to be a odd and entertaining game because it seems like they always are with these two teams. Oh, it's going to be weird and stupid. You'll, y'all will probably get Kevante. Is Kevante Turpin playing? Yes. I didn't as far as we know. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure. He's if he is playing, he's going to return. as a college athlete, but he's playing. He's going to return three punts from an electric wheelchair. It's going to happen. The electric wheelchair is still going to be faster <laughs> than everyone on the field. Well, They're yeah, just going to cart him out there in some rocket crutches or something. They have changed the rules to, to, to kill off the dead frog in the end zone play. So it may have to be Cavante Turpin in an electric wheelchair coming down the field since he can no longer lay down and hide or have someone else lay down and hide for him. We're just going to hide him in an offensive lineman's pads and we're going to pick him <laughs> up and he's going to have the football and we're going to throw Cavante Turpin. And then someone is going to catch him, and then they're going to put him down in the open field, and then he's going to run. It's going to be Honestly, the world's craziest play flicker. Yeah, that that is a doable play. That dude's. I mean, he's probably a buck fifty-two, you know, on a good day, maybe a buck sixty. So I could totally see one of those big offensive linemen just hoisting him, tossing him backwards. Maybe even Shewu. You know, that dude's weighs two hundred and thirty-five pounds. He's pretty strong. So I, I like the way that you're thinking. And um, you know what? Kansas has an offensive coordinator position open. You should apply. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna uh, on my on my application on my resume invented first shot put football play. I was asking you what's that? Just just wait and see. Give me your biggest lineman who's really, our quarterback now. Yeah, that's really all you need. Frankly, yeah, definitely. So, Hunter, Hunter, before we before we let you go, uh, give us your prediction on how you think this game ends up. Mm, the line is seven. I am gonna. I think I'm gonna. I'll, I'll I'll give a hard liner here. I've been kind of waffling back and forth. I'll I'll nail something down. I think Texas Tech is going to win this game, but I don't think it's by multiple scores. In fact, I don't even think it's by double digits. Okay. I think it's going to be about. Hmm, I'll say forty-two to thirty-four. Wow. Interesting. All right. Yeah. All right. There's gonna be points. It's gonna happen. Hmm. Very last thing before you go. Did you know that moons can have moons? I saw this today. That's crazy, dude. And do it's you the moon know moon. what they're called? The moon moons. Melissa, have the you seen this? Moon. I have not seen this. And it's so good. <laughs> moons can have moons, Melissa. And they are literally called moon moons. Moon moons. And it's not, it's, it's not, it's, it's not even like moon, space, moon. It's just moon, moon. No space I, in between. Like just moon. That's a code name for something that teenagers do like after midnight on Halloween. It's moon mooning. Well, All the kids Melissa, are doing it. Melissa, don't ruin this for me. The little guy. Little, little dude the little up there. Guy. Is that moon also made of cheese? And would you eat it? 
Absolutely. Uh, I've eaten, that one, I've eaten a, a pocky chip at this point, so I think I've proven I'll pretty much eat anything. It's true. Yeah, you, you're, you have no taste <laughs> left. What's the point of eating anything? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into a full breakdown of my uh, the results of that physically for me uh, later on, on the podcast. I, we don't want to hear any more about the physical results of that. There was plenty. There was I, enough talk in your two sentences in the Slack channel. It's good. I want to hear more. I want to hear more about the physical results. Well, oh, some of it isn't. Uh, some of it isn't okay for air. Uh, you can go to my yeah, Twitter timeline. Ah. You can go to my Twitter timeline <laughs> from Thursday of last week uh, and see a couple of the gifts that I posted that were uh, ex- very expressive of the way that I was feeling. But I will say that something that I didn't expect was that for like the next 24 or 30 hours, everything that I ate, regardless of what it was, was extraordinarily sweet in taste. Ooh. I think Ooh. it's because I absolutely all of the other taste buds off of my tongue. Wow. But yep. I just saw that gif. That's the first time I've seen it, and I wish I hadn't seen it. <laughs> the little baby and I'm, on the honestly, toilet. Honestly, like, I'm looking at you differently now. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I feel differently about you today than I did before I'd seen that gif. Well, so <laughs> I feel like this is so better. Check that out, Hunter. I feel like it's better for our working relationship that you know that. <laughs> you know, I don't think things could get worse between us. So we might as well just bottom out at this point. That's fair. Literally. Bottom out. Oh God, that's gross. All right. You're welcome. Well, this is You're welcome. Hunter Cook, oh, man. Uh, former <laughs> managing editor of Viva the Matadors. Thank you, Hunter, for wasting about 30 minutes of your life with us to talk about this game. <laughs> Absolutely. There's nothing I, I waste. I'd be wasting it to doing something else dumb. If I'm going to post more stupid clips from Rainbow Six Siege on my Twitter or make a dumb joke or say damn Sarnold again. There you go. Like, I've, I'd have been wasting it otherwise. This is great. Wait, I'm having a blast. Tell everybody you where. Think this is dumb? This isn't dumb. How? Oh, no. This is dumb. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, Hunter. Dumb is good. Come on, man. Hunter, tell us where we can follow you on Twitter for those people listening who want to see the Rainbow Six stuff and everything else. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's just my name backwards. It's E K O O C R E T N U H. So, Hunter How do you Code. Say that? Just spelled backwards. I don't. Uh, I don't know. Wow. I didn't know you were French. Like French. I'm very French. <laughs> well, trade in. Merci. I don't know what that means. <laughs> very no good. Idea. Thank you a lot. It's great to chat with you, Hunter. Reliving the good old days of our youth. Well, you're so youthful. I'm ancient. Um, but, you know, it's all good. We're, we're all cool with our life stages. It's fine. Everything's normal. We're having a normal one. It's just another day in paradise. <laughs> okay. Well, Hunter, thanks for being on. All right, buddy. Melissa, I need you to, I need you to pull it together for the rest of the show. I'm going to try real hard. No promises. No. All right. Zero promises of anything happening. All right, guys. Go take it easy. Talk to you later, brother. See you later, brother. Right, bye. All right. So there's, there's that. It's always enjoyable to talk with Hunter. Hunter's a, a good dude, a good follow on Twitter, um, knows a lot about Texas Tech football and, and has done a lot of things around college football as well. So if you like Rainbow Siege 6 or uh, goofy memes, Hunter is absolutely your dude to follow on the Twitter machine. Yes, and now we all know about Moon Moons. So everybody's better <laughs> off for having listened to this episode. <laughs> Are we, though? Yes. Are we really? I stand by it. We absolutely are. But Melissa, let's get into some TCU news and notes. Let's move away from Moon Moons as much as I don't want to. 
uh, into things a little bit closer to home. Uh, TCU lost a recruit uh, this week, three-star defensive end from Louisiana, Myron Warren, decommitted the day after he got a Texas offer. Is this the Texas's back effect? Uh, to a degree, sure. Um, but it's also not the first time that we've seen a recruit get noticed by t- uh, Texas and all of a sudden, you know, decide that they want to start thinking things through a little bit more. It hurts. And, and this is where I do have some concerns going forward. You know, you said the other day you talked to me off the ledge a little bit that the guys are always going to want to come and play for TCU, especially defensive guys. And that remains true. But, man, it sucks to be on the cusp of getting these super elite blue chip talents and then to see Texas start winning and to see A&M look like they are, you know, going to be trending upward here for the next couple of years. And then for TCU to not look like quite the same program, you know, that it was last year, that it was a few years ago. Uh, the timing, the perfect storm of suck is kind of happening right now. And it's going to be super, super crucially important that the Frogs look good defensively this year, that that they they win, you know, a solid number of games, that they make a good, a good bowl game. Um, because at the end of the day, Texas can only take 20-something guys a year. A&M can only take 20-something guys a year, sure. But if you want to continue to recruit at the highest possible level, especially on the defensive side of the ball, the worst thing that can happen is for Texas to to start getting dominant and to start picking off guys that Gary Patterson has identified as special. And that's what we saw happen with Myron Warren. Well, I mean, he hasn't committed to Texas yet. And realistically, he may never he commit will. to Texas. Uh, he, he might. Um, he might come back to TCU. I, you know, like we, this, is a, this is a kid who, it, if, if we're going to try and make a living by predicting <laughs> – what an 18 year old is. <laughs> Both of us can speak to that in volumes. Uh, yes. Yeah, you know, and we are already losing. So uh, realistically, I, you know, and, and I think this goes to the larger picture of, of the state of Texas football, um, the state of Texas, football, not the state of Texas football to, to clarify my inflection there. But is it the state uh, of Texas football? Now that we've got everyone thoroughly confused. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he's been recruiting at an extraordinarily high level throughout this kind of down period in their, in their program. Yeah. Uh, it's not about recruiting for them at this point. And, you know, I've beaten this drum for the last several years. It's about coaching. And so now we've seen some guys come in that have started to really coach these high recruits up and they're starting to perform at the level that everybody expected them to out of the gate. You know, Todd Orlando has done incredible things with that defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, 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 you know, he's proving himself to be an incredible defensive coordinator, something that he has already been touted as prior to uh, his start as, as the DC at Texas. You know, Tom Herman, for as much as people may dislike him, myself included, seems to be at this point doing pretty well with the offensive pieces that he has. I'm still not convinced that Sam Ellinger is going to be some sort of incredible studly quarterback, but he's certainly looking better than he did a season ago. Uh, and that's a testament sure. to, to Herman and his offensive coaching staff as well. Uh, and so realistically, from a recruiting standpoint, you know, TCU has seen guys decommit before, just like you said. Uh, and, and realistically, there is enough talent in this state for Gary Patterson to get the guys that he wants. Uh, he has proven that he can find elite talent that is hidden, that has fallen through the cracks when it comes to the ranking system. Um, and so I am not worried about TCU's state of recruiting. 
just because Texas has won four games in a row uh, this year. And realistically, you know, I've been thinking about putting a piece together. I still probably will do it, even though, like you, your week, my week has been a little hectic. Um, about, you know, maybe Texas isn't quite back. Maybe the Big 12 is just actually not that great this year. You know, maybe it's the same excuse mm. that people have been giving for uh, the last four years with the rise of TCU and Baylor is that, oh, well, the Big 12 just down across the board. And so obviously there's a team that's going to have to win the conference. Might as well be TCU, might as well be Baylor. You know, with Texas down, oh, yeah, Texas terrible, blah, 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 Oklahoma State, you know. Well, maybe maybe that's why TCU has been winning. No, maybe maybe right now in this year, in 2018, that's why Texas is winning. Maybe it's because the Big 12 isn't as good as it has been in years past. So that's the, that's the thought that's been running through my head when it comes to UT. I also hate that, though. I do hate that, though, too, because, you know, like you said, there there's been times in the past where when TCU's really been good, the immediate thought has been, well, maybe the Big 12 just isn't that yeah. good. Or Texas isn't good, so the Big 12 must not be good. So I have, I, I don't know, and again, we don't know much yet. We only got, you know, two Big 12 games under our belts is, is a conference each. But that if Texas is good, does that mean everyone else is bad? Because if TCU is good, does that mean Texas is bad? I think we have to let some of this play out. But, you know, I think that the top of the conference is strong. But there are probably you're probably seeing less in the middle and more at the bottom because Kansas State is definitely bad. So Baylor bad. is bad. Kansas is bad. I think Iowa State may have found something in Purdy, mm-hmm. and it might be now per- Purdy good. Okay. Oh, uh, okay. Sorry, um, but you know I think Iowa State, Oklahoma State's a big question mark right now. Um, but but I don't know that those are bad football teams, and we won't really know a whole lot until we get into bowl season and see what some of those mid-tier Big 12 teams can do against other competition. Uh, I, I think what Texas has is a little bit of that juice. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they're starting to believe. They've got a little bit of that confidence back. Their, their quarterback is playing hot. He may not be great, but he's playing really, really well. I mean, he he made some throws in that, in that Red River rivalry game that – that you would equate with what a top quarterback does. I don't know if he can do it consistently, but when he's not getting bashed in the head every other play, he seems to make pretty good decisions. So that might just be the key is that they haven't gotten him killed yet this season. This is true. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see some of this play out. I mean, you throw away a rivalry game because weird things do happen in, in Texas OU, just like they do in Texas uh, Tech, TCU. But, I mean, other than that little slip-up defensively, they dominated that game. Mm-hmm. And Kyler Murray made some special things happen down the stretch, but man, they looked like a, they looked elite for three quarters. And then like, holy crap, what happened for the last 15 minutes of that game? Pretty much. Yeah. 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 And, and it's, it, it's just a theory. My, what I was talking about there and it, it could be true. It could not, yeah. um, you know, it does look like Texas has snatched that water bottle full of secret stuff from Bugs Bunny and, Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, they're yeah, mm-hmm. like they're starting to believe, and that can be a really powerful thing for a squad. So it'll be interesting, and you know, realistically, for the Big Twelve, Texas being good does help boost the the image, uh, the kind of the brand of the Big Twelve. Um, so it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for Texas to actually be back, I suppose. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, it would it wouldn't be great. It would be the worst because they are the worst. But yeah, Fair. it wouldn't be the worst. But anyways, but moving on uh, to a former frog who got some bad news, Melissa, just, yeah. just uh, Wednesday of this week, 
Doug Meacham is out as the offensive coordinator at Kansas after just 18 games with the Jayhawks. Just 18. Well, it, you know, like like our friend Chris said, maybe it's not the worst news that he's gotten escaping that dumpster fire of a program. Mm-hmm. But man, I do feel I do feel for Doug Meacham. Um, he's a really good football coach, and and maybe you know that after a couple of years, he wasn't the greatest fit at TCU anymore. Uh, but I, I feel like this guy deserves a shot with with a legit program. Um, I think he can be a really good OC uh, in the right program, and probably even a really good head coach down the line too. Uh, he's just a, a question his choice to go to Kansas all you want. Uh, that that's a tough that's a tough place to win, but. I do, I do want better for Meech than, than what he's gotten here the last year and a half. Yeah, me too. I, you know, I, it was a bummer to see him leave. Obviously, you can't keep two great offensive minds on the same staff forever. Uh, and, yeah. and Patterson picked Cumbie basically. And, and so Meacham moved on. I would be really surprised though to not see Meacham land somewhere that's probably a little better suited to his, to his offense. Uh, maybe with a little bit more talent on the roster, some some guys who maybe would be able to implement that a little bit quicker, um, because he is he is a fantastic offensive coach. He's proven that, and so it'll be it'll be good to see where he goes. Hopefully, he lands on his feet. Yeah, he'll land on his feet. And absolutely. Lastly, in this in this little section of TCU news and notes, uh, earlier this week, ESPN put out some more bowl projections, Melissa. And they had TCU projected to go to the uh, Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl against Texas A&M. Oh, boy. Would you, would you like boy. to see that in 2018? I could not get to Houston fast enough, and that is a sentence I have never said before in my life to watch that game. Be- uh, yeah, I'd be oh, all guess. over that. And honestly, if we're going to play Texas A&M in the next several years, this is the year I want to do it. Um, Jimbo's, Jimbo's working some magic down there, and, and that, again, looks like a program, too, that, that may be starting to, to reach back towards its peak, which what, for what we know about Texas A&M is winning nine games. But, um, yeah, I think, I think it would be <laughs> – this is not the best TCU team that we've seen recently. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of holes, but – I think it would be great for the state. I think it'd be great for TCU. Um, it'd be really, it's a lose lose situation for AM. It would duck. Um, you think but, they would duck but TCU? It would sure I would mean, be I nice. think they would duck TCU. I'm sure they would try. They would do anything in their power to try. And then we've seen them duck Texas in uh, bowl games when they make them right. too. Well, they, so, would, they would do exactly, um, I think, what they've done when, when that opportunity has arisen is to tell the SEC, don't you dare. Don't you dare let us go yeah. there. Well, that opportunity just doesn't rise very often because neither of those teams have been very good True. the last couple of years. But True. yeah, it, it would be, man, it would be, God, I, I just, it would be so good for college football. And it would be hilarious too to watch the Texas fans freak out that TCU got to play AM mm-hmm. before they did. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be nice to be able to, to record a win against Texas AM because they were forced to yeah. play us. That would be cool. Yeah. But I, I would be. Yeah, I'd be a little be nervous this year, though, honestly, going in, going into the game just this season because, like you mentioned, TCU isn't as good as it has been in the last several years. Uh, and, you know, yeah. God forbid you play in a bowl game against Texas A&M and lose it, and then Aggies get to lord that over oh, you. Yeah. Oh, looking like best Texas TCU yeah. football ever. We still beat TCU and blah, 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 blah. That's my impression of an Aggie fan, by the way. It was pretty good, actually. It was, it was pretty a accurate. A little more articulate. Uh 
but you know, it's it's late on Wednesday night, so that was the best effort. That was my That's best what effort. we do. Um, a couple of news and notes from around the country. Chip Kelly's UCLA team hasn't won a game yet. Melissa, are you surprised by that? Yeah, I actually thought that that Chip would would get people rolling a little bit quicker than he did. Um, I thought that they had a pretty decent quarterback and, and that the talent was there for it for it to be um, not maybe not a great season for UCLA, but a UCLA, but a solid season and what's clearly a down Pac-12 South. Um, that program's a disaster. It's a dumpster fire. It, it feels like Lonzo Ball has has moved over to the football program with the way the parents are talking and. And just the, the things that are leaking out of there right now, it just seems like a really bad situation. And I'm sure it has Chip longing for the NFL again, where mom and dad really don't right. care if I mean, they've lost to Cincinnati, who is undefeated, so it's not a terrible loss. Oklahoma beat the tar out of them. Fresno State beat them by three touchdowns. Colorado beat them by three Jeez. touchdowns. And then they lost. Colorado yes, also true. And Washington, 10th-ranked Washington at that point. 7th-ranked Washington currently beat them by a touchdown over the weekend. Now they go to Cal, a Cal team that is three and two uh, and hasn't really looked good at all the last couple of weeks. Is this the week that Chip Kelly gets his first win? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to say that they get over the hump and make it happen this week. I don't think it'll be pretty, but I think they make it happen. Hopefully for his sake. I like Chip Kelly. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care what people say about him. I like yeah. him. Yeah. He's yeah. always been a fun. But yeah. He, he's, he's a fun guy in the college game. He's like Mike Leach, but less, slightly less, less crazy. lovable. I mean, Mike Leach is like arguably yeah, my favorite person of all time. So. Yeah. The, the, the pirate of nowhere, Washington. I just love that he, love him. Uh, you know, he signed a book. CJ K five H. Oh, it means mean? something that you have to Google on your Google machine. Uh, moving right along, that. though, Kelly Bryant, oh, former Clemson quarterback, is visiting North Carolina. Do you think Kelly Bryant, do you think he could Does resurrect it? that Tar Heel program? Uh, resurrect, maybe not, but could he be competitive in an ACC that, that looks pretty down um, and, and doesn't have a whole lot of – uh, real competitive teams right now. Sure. I mean, I think it's a good fit, good place for him to showcase his talent. Um, you know, I, I think that, that he wants to be a pro and, and he wants to go somewhere where he's going to win the job and, and have enough talent around him to be successful. I think UNC is a place he can do it. Do you think it. it's a little bit of a slap in the face to Clemson that he's not even leaving the conference? Oh, absolutely. Um, it, it definitely... I mean, it, it's a tough situation because at the end of the day, like you would think that he's probably going to do what's best for him. Um, and if he thinks that UNC is the best fit and it, they do have a coach that's renowned for developing quarterbacks, they sent guys to the pros recently. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure that there is something to be said that he wants a chance to, to play Clemson and, and to beat uh, Trevor Lawrence, you know, one-on-one in, in that type of situation and, and show that he made the right decision. Is he going to do that at UNC? Probably not. So I, I'm sure it's opportunity, it's location, and there is probably a little bit of a thumbing of the nose in that regard as well. Uh, but, you know, who else? I wonder how many teams were coming calling for him, too. I wonder who else was interested in him. I'm sure he had some picks, but, I mean, there's not there's not a whole lot of programs in that area that, that have a whole lot of – that are quality programs that have a 
need at QB that aren't in the ACC if he wanted to be able to stay semi-close to home. Point. I think he would be a dominant force if he would if he would transfer to Georgia Tech. Think about Kelly Bryant running the triple option. Yeah, he could be great. Yeah, he could be great. But he wants, you know, if he wants to be yeah. an NFL quarterback, he's got to go True. somewhere he can throw it around. And, and he's not going to do that. Former North Carolina Tech. quarterback Mitchell Trubisky is looking decent for the Chicago Bears so far yeah. this year. So now they've got they've got like a, got like a yeah, history cranking yeah. out NFL QBs now. <laughs> you bet. With a with quarterback. Uh, so the last last note yes. from around college football before we get into picks. Tua Tagovailoa. Tua. T Double T. Has a sprained knee. But he's been practicing and he's set to play against Missouri. If you're an Alabama fan, is this the least worried about an injury that you could be regarding your quarterback, knowing that even if it is uh, it results in him missing a game, you've got Jalen Hurts right behind him? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, if Tua plays from a seated position and they just don't call him down, Alabama is still going to win every game by two touchdowns. So, I mean, I could probably take snaps. You could take snaps at Bama, and I'd still think we'd be favored in every game that we played. So uh, that that team is just a juggernaut. And and Jalen Hurts making the decision to stick around and and see it through this year, yeah, I, I I wouldn't be too worried if I'm a Bama fan. But then again, if you're a Bama fan, what could your worries possibly That's be? That's a fair life? question. There's, they shouldn't have many regarding yeah. college football anyways. Ooh, that was, yeah. you know, you could insert your a whole slew of different Alabama jokes there. But we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll go yeah. and, subvert, subvert and we'll go straight into Big 12 picks. Melissa, let's start with the TCU game since it is happening on a Thursday night and not a Saturday. Um, give me your pick for TCU-Texas Tech tonight. I mean, I hate this game so much. I hate it every year. It's always something stupid happens. Um, it's either a fox on the field or it's TC scoring 80 points or it's Gary Patterson having two guys with the same number out in special teams. Nothing good is going to happen tonight. Like, it's just, it's not going to be good. Even if it's a win, it's not going to be enjoyable. Um, I'm obviously feeling really optimistic about things right now. Uh, I... I don't think there's going to be a ton of points. I disagree um, with Hunter in a little bit that I don't think that TCU is going to allow 40 points to Texas Tech, especially if it's Jet Duffy at quarterback. And so, oh, give me TCU with a very non-confident 34 to 28 I mean, victory, and I will feel terrible about it. And that's still the over. TCU close yeah. to covering at this point. Um, yeah. I mean, if, if TCU scores 30 points and wins, I'll be That's ecstatic. Fair. As ecstatic as I can be in the middle of a season where I feel like I want to vomit every time the ball is snapped. <laughs> cool. Cool. I can't wait for basketball. It's totally fine. <laughs> Everybody's fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm good, guys. You know, I think, I'm good. I do We're think, great. think this is an opportunity for TCU's offense to really kind of get clicking again. I hope that they rely on the running game, which might shorten the game a little bit and keep the score a little lower. Um, especially when you consider that regardless of who Tech has at quarterback, they still have some really good offensive weapons over on that side of the ball. Uh, and the more reps you can get for your defense, the better in a situation like that. So uh, give me TCU 31, Texas Tech 24. Um, Ooh, a defensive slugfest. Yeah, absolutely. Basically. Um, 
<laughs> I, I, I really like TCU's defense coming off of a bye week, getting a little bit healthier, having time to prep and to game plan. Yeah, this is a game that's on a Thursday night, not a Saturday, but they still didn't play last week. They've had a couple extra days to rest and to watch film. Uh, and you know, you know that when Gary has a couple extra days to get his guys ready, they come ready. So, um, yeah, I like TCU in this game. I like the defensive effort uh, to be one that we can talk about and kind of hang hang our hat on as as Horn Frog fans uh, like to do. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be cool with that. Uh, moving along though to some other games in the Big Twelve, Oklahoma goes to Kansas State. Is there any possibility of Kansas State winning this game? Yeah. yeah. Nope. Gonna it's going to be a bloodbath. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know that it'll be a bloodbath. Uh, Oklahoma State just hasn't been. I don't know what to think of that team. Like I said earlier, like I just really don't know what to think of that team. They could go out and they could win by four touchdowns, or this could be, you know, a one possession game deep into the fourth quarter. Uh, that being said, Kansas they State are. is just so bad. They God, that's a bad, bad football team. They are so bad. Um, I'll get, give me give me the Cowboys. Uh, let's let's call it like forty two to twenty. I don't think Kansas State scores twenty points. I think I think this is like a forty nine <laughs> ten kind of situation here. Uh, that really, for the last few folks that are still on the Bill Snyder bandwagon, they finally say enough is enough. It is time to move along. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving right along. Speaking of moving along to Texas, hosting Baylor. Baylor is four and two. Uh, but they have not looked impressive in the midst of that four wins. And Texas is now a top 10 team. They're ranked ninth in the country. So how it's not really a matter, I don't think, of who wins, but how much does Texas win by, Melissa? No. I mean, could it happen? There's no way. Could it happen again? Could Texas get to the top 10 and completely not, screw the pooch here? They're not Texas. It could happen. Now. It won't happen. No. <laughs> Oh dear. <laughs> oh God. Um, way to, so way to take that one step further. I appreciate it. Um, I, I think this is a little bit, I think there's going to be an emotional letdown, um, for Texas. They're still going to win and they're still going to win comfortably, but I think it's going to be a little bit uglier than it should. Um, like a, like a 31 to 14. Uh, but this thing is tied at like 14 after the first quarter and then the Longhorns settle in and shut yeah. out Baylor the rest of the way. I don't think, I don't think Texas has any problem with this game at all. None whatsoever. Uh, I do have a few concerns, though, about West Virginia heading into Ames to play Iowa State uh, this weekend because West Virginia did not look good in their second half against Texas Tech a couple weeks ago. Uh, and Iowa State with Bill, what's his name, Purdy? Yeah. Yes, something pretty. He looked really, really good for Iowa State last week. Um, so I'm a little concerned about West Virginia, honestly, heading into this game. It, it, they gave up 22 points to Kansas, while Iowa State hung 48 on Oklahoma State. Purdy threw for 318 yards and four touchdowns while running for 84 yards and another touchdown. Uh, and West Virginia showed that they struggle with a mobile quarterback because, I mean, look at what Jet Duffy did. Uh, a couple weeks ago. So, yeah. How do you feel about this game? 
I mean, the Riot Bowl is is another one of those weird games. Um, those are two fan bases that, that I think really connect with each other in a weird way. Um, and that's a game that, like, I would love to go to someday. I think it'd be a blast. Just a bunch of crazy Iowa State fans and crazier West Virginia fans. Um, it's not November yet, so I still have confidence in the ears. They will find a way to blow this. They always do. I love – it's probably my second favorite Big 12 team, but they always find a way to, to choke away November. Um I think that WV is going to win. Iowa State's playing a lot better. They're a really good defensive team, and they found this revelation at quarterback with this true freshman. Um, but I, I think West Virginia is just a better team, and Will Greer got some of those stupid red zone interceptions he throws uh, seemingly every year out of his system last week. So uh, close, but WV is going to take it 24-21. I'm going to do it. I'm going to call the. I'm going to call the upset. I'm going to call the upset upset in Ames. I'm going to say Iowa State and Purdy beat West Virginia by a field goal, 31 to 28. I think that Iowa State's offense is a totally new animal now. And I think that West Virginia, as good as they are, uh, you know, you just, you don't go into Ames and win easily. I mean, TCU proved that last year. Oklahoma State proved that a few years ago. Oklahoma has shown that before. I mean, they they struggled mightily with Iowa State this year as well in Ames. Uh, and yeah. I think Oklahoma is better than West Virginia. And this is a night game. And this is a night game. Uh, like you said, yeah. Will Greer has a tendency every once in a while to throw a bad pick. Uh, give me Iowa State, 31 to 28 in the upset. It's gonna mm-hmm. be That is going to be the big call game of the week it. for sure. I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, me too. It'd be nice to have a Saturday and not be stressed out. Hopefully we'll be celebrating just a win and just back, go and enjoy and some college watch football. That game, watch the other Big 12 games and watch the three ranked-on-ranked matchups that are happening on Saturday. First one is Oregon against Washington from your side of the country, from your coast, Melissa. Who do you have in this matchup of Ducks versus Huskies? That's a good game. That's going to be another blast of a game. Um, man, I think Oregon's going to pull off the upset here. They were so close to defeating Stanford, who's gone on to look terrible the following two weeks. But um, I I think Justin Hebert gets it done. Um, I, I think that, that Oregon's hot right now. They're playing decent defense. I have not been a big Washington or Jake Browning believer the last couple of years. Uh, this is one of those games that they want to get talked about in the national conversation. Uh, that they're going to have to win, but I think Oregon gets it done. It's going to be close, but uh, I think it's going to be a, a fun shootout, like a 42-38 I, I agree. Game. I think Oregon wins. I don't think it's as close as you think it will be because I still have not bought into Washington being anywhere close to a top-10 program this year. Um, and realistically, mm-hmm. I think that the refs kind of screwed Oregon in that Stanford game. There were a couple other things that happened once Stanford grabbed momentum to really put that game away for the Cardinal, but I think that if Oregon State scores that or if Oregon scores that touchdown and it's not, you know, poorly called a non touchdown, uh, to put them up, I think it was what th- it would have been thirty eight to seventeen. Uh you know, I think the Ducks win that game and we're talking about a top ten Oregon program at this point. Uh so give me the Ducks and I think they win going away against Washington. It will be. Uh, next up, someone. though, is a big SEC matchup, and I know we all always always love a good SEC matchup because it just means more, Melissa. It just means more as 
Number 13, That's LSU hosts number two, Georgia. Yeah, LSU has come back down to earth quite a bit, haven't they, in the last couple couple of weeks? They, they you know, they, they've won a lot of football games. They have some impressive wins on their resume. Uh, but this is the part of the year where you go, dang it, man, the SEC is kind of a grinder, isn't it? Um, SEC West is is brutal. And then to have to play Georgia and you're, you're out of division matchup, that's – it's a tough stretch. The Tigers have a pretty, pretty tough month ahead of them. Uh, I don't think Georgia is nearly as good offensively as they were a season ago without their running backs. Uh, Jake Fromm is in a little bit of a sophomore slump. Defense is still really, really salty though. Um, and man, LSU's quarterback situation just doesn't look very good once again. Um, death taxes and can LSU find a quarterback that can consistently make uh, basic passes? Uh, so I think Georgia wins this one easily. Like, 38-20. You know, I, I I hear that, and I do think Georgia wins. I think that um, LSU has a tendency to get up for big games. Obviously, they kind of pooped the bed against Florida last week, and that's supposed to be a big game as well for them. But um, I think they come off of that game, and they show that they are really one of the better teams in the SEC West, uh, and they put up one heck of a fight against Georgia. Um, I think Georgia wins. I think it's a lower scoring game than that, somewhere around like 24-17. to 17. Yeah, I mean that's it is the SEC, so God yeah. forbid it be offensive and exciting. Absolutely. And the last game that we'll pick this week is another. God, this, this is a crappy game. How is this a top fifteen matchup? These are two of the most boring Listen. teams in the country. They are the two of the most overrated teams in the country. I cannot believe Listen, this is a top not, fifteen matchup this don't week. Don't you dare poop on the Big Ten, Melissa. It is an elite conference. <laughs> I am feeling like I ate the pocky chip this elite. week when it comes to how I feel about the big guys. These teams are elite because because of their eliteness. <laughs> you, you can't even you can't even finish the sentence. You cannot Not spell just Joe anybody Flacco without elite. Can go into right. halftime with a razor wire lead over SMU and then pull away in the second half, Melissa, like Michigan can, and. True. Not every team. Wait, that's exactly what we did. <laughs> not every team can <laughs> run into the run into the bus stop that is BYU <laughs> and come out on the other side still looking like they're a capable football program, <laughs> like Wisconsin did, Melissa. And so I don't want to hear you talk trash about Michigan, Wisconsin, because it will be <laughs> a clash of epic proportions. No, this game sucks. This Epic. game is stupid. I don't understand. This game sucks. So how bad. this is a ranked? I guess because they both only have one loss, right? Like Michigan is. I mean, they're both one loss teams at this point. Uh, right? Is that the? Is that actually true? I think so. Let's I mean, here. who cares? They're trash. They're going to be trash. Well, they're going to be irrelevant at the end of this. Wisconsin is four and one. Wisconsin is four and one. Here, are their four wins: Western Kentucky. New Mexico, Iowa, and Nebraska, who is basically Western Kentucky this year. And Michigan, Michigan's four wins are, oh, sorry, they have five wins. Western Michigan, SMU, Nebraska, Northwestern, and Maryland. Those, wow. that's it. They lost to Notre Dame. 
this is this is blue chip favoritism. <laughs> this is I mean, is Cincinnati even ranked right now at six and zero? And these teams are both top fifteen. That's absurd. That's absolutely ridiculous. Such a crap it's, game. Like, why? Why but, again? I'm gonna bring this up again. Why do we try to rank teams before week six? I don't like know. this, this game would be, it would, the system would be so much less rigged. It would be such a better state of affairs for everybody. If you really wanted to level the playing field, which we know they don't, they, they want to bring eyeballs to the big dollar schools and to the five or six blue chip schools across the country. But if they really wanted to do this right, you make your first rankings in week six. You don't publish any coaches, polls, screw those. They're irrelevant. You have the committee and you have the AP. You start in week six. You rank everybody on a level playing field after they've already played at least five games, and you have an eight-team playoff. Boom, problem solved. Much more enjoyable for the fans of the schools that aren't the five or six schools that that, that some powers that be have decided are the most important schools in the world. Keep preaching. Ah, so also, good. Cincinnati Cincinnati at 6-0, and uh, since I just mentioned them a minute ago. Uh, I can tell now, based on their wins, why they are only ranked 25th. Oh. Because they've beaten UCLA, Miami of Ohio, Alabama A&M, Ohio, Connecticut, and Tulane. I don't see the problem here. I mean, it's not much worse than Michigan's wins or Wisconsin's. True. True, true. But anyways, give me Michigan, I guess, because we put this game on the run sheet, and so now we have to pick it. But other than that, I'm not going to be watching Yeah, I could care less. Couldn't care less. Thank you for correcting yourself so I didn't have to. You're welcome. It's just been such a long day. It has been. And so, so tired. Because you are tired and I am tired and we have no more games to pick and we did not uh, we did not solicit questions for this podcast, uh, this has been the Frogs War podcast. And if you would, kind listener, be so good as to go to iTunes and leave us a rating and leave us a review and tell us how great we are even when we're sleepy. Uh, that would be absolutely glorious. We would be forever grateful. Uh, and it would help us uh, with iTunes' algorithm that says, oh, yeah, the more ratings and rate, uh, reviews you get, the better off you'll be. Yeah, and thank you especially also to Hunter Cook for joining us. Um, Hunter's a good dude. Always enjoy having a chance to catch up with him, talk to him about all things Texas Tech, um, and just a, just a great little segment that hopefully you all enjoyed. Hopefully, and never forget that moons have moons, and they are called moon moons. I'm going to make you eat another one of those chips, Jamie. You, I will eat one if you eat one. <laughs> I'm not afraid oh of the one no, chip challenge what? anymore. I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid of the chip. I'm afraid of the aftermath. It wasn't great. Yeah, that's, that's where I draw the line. My tummy hurt all day Thursday, and other things burned as well. But like I yeah, said, and, this is, and on that note, on that note, this is the Frogs Wear podcast. I am Jamie Plunkett, <laughs> Melissa Treewater. Go frogs! Go frogs! <laughs>